Hello from Cybrary, and welcome to the show. If you've been enjoying the Cybrary podcast or 401 Access Denied, then make sure to like, follow, and subscribe so that you don't miss any future episodes. We'd love to hear from you. Join the discussion by leaving us a comment or review on your platform of choice or emailing us at podcast at cybrary.it. From all of us at Cybrary, thank you and enjoy the show. How did Cybrary instructor Corey Holzer go from being the IT help desk person for the World Wrestling Federation to becoming a PhD holding information security manager? In this episode of the Cybrary podcast, please enjoy Corey's fascinating stories of nearly colliding with The Undertaker, losing his internet connection during the C-Risk exam, and developing essential problem-solving skills as a cybersecurity professional. Get a behind-the-scenes look at Corey's newest course, Linux Hardening, out now on the Cybrary platform. Hello and welcome to the Cybrary Podcast. My name is Jen Barnaby and I'm one of the course managers here at Cybrary. And today I'm so excited to welcome one of our instructors, Corey Holzer. Corey is an instructor in IT and network security and he holds a PhD in information security. He's worked in network and security and web development for years. He holds the CISSP or CISP, the CRISC, certification. And in the past, he's held the CEH, the CNDA, and Security Plus. Welcome, Corey. So glad to have you on the podcast. Well, thank you, Jen. Glad to, glad to be here. Cool. So uh, we've been having uh, different instructors on the pod lately and uh, just asking about their background, how they got into the field, um, and having them talk about some of their courses that they've done here at Cybrary. So I just wanted to start with that and see if you tell us a little bit about your background, how you got into IT and cybersecurity. Well, thank you for being so kind. It's only saying I've been in it for years when you could say decades. Uh, I probably got into cybersecurity before even it was a word or a term that we used. Um, 30 years of IT experience, and God, that sounds like I'm old, but hey, it's what it is. I started in the early 90s, uh, started out as most IT guys do. I started out in break fix and help desk work. And then I transitioned into being a systems administrator. And I had my first experience with cybersecurity in a really unusual way. Uh, I remember I was getting ready for work one day and I had just set up our enterprise mail system. And as I'm listening to the news, as I always did in the morning, there was a report that came out about the, a virus that they had discovered. And the interesting thing with, with it was it would be sent via email. And when the person triggered the virus, it would read the first 15 or 20 email addresses in their address book and send it to those people as well. And it would propagate that way, which was pretty unique for the time. Um, probably pretty mundane today, but it is. it was what it was at the time. So I quickly emailed the entire distribution list for the company and said, be careful, don't open this. And by the time I got into work, there was uh, one of the executives who was standing by my door and said, I just wanted to thank you because if I hadn't read your email about 30 seconds before I opened a letter from one of my clients, I would have triggered the virus because I would have just trusted it as if it was from them. And it was a really good feeling, of course. You know, I had done 
my job, but it also made me realize that we were starting to see this environment where people were going to be malicious. Uh, I don't quite remember the the virus name to remember what else it did, but I remember real. I I very distinctly remember the the, the mindset that I was now responsible not only for protecting the network but the users, and it really hit home for me. And from there, getting into web development, where you're starting to deal with people's PII, personally identifiable information, and the like, I took a very serious attitude about making sure that that stuff was safe. And that's really what launched me into being a cybersecurity individual, you know, mm-hmm. professional. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I think it's interesting, too, that you you sort of checked your email and all that stuff even before you went into work. And I wonder if that's sort of, you know, something that you naturally do even now, kind of always staying on the on the edge of things, trying to make sure you know what's what's happening. And um, it's, you know, it's kind of hard to keep up with everything. It, it's definitely hard. But one of the things I do, and I, I suggest this as I mentor uh, junior cyber professionals, is uh, listen to the podcasts, not just libraries, but others out there, because I've actually, um, it's it's interesting in my line of work right now, working uh, with the government, uh, I, I go into morning briefings with senior executives, and they're always ready to say, hey, I heard about this, what can you tell me? And you can't sit there with a dumb look on your face, not being able to answer that question. So by listening to podcasts in the morning as I'm heading to work, or even maybe for the reading the news just before I go into that meeting, I'm at least somewhat prepared for that surprise question. And I don't look dumbstruck when they ask it. And they appreciate that. They, that, that builds that level of trust that's just so important in our field. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, one of the things I wanted to ask you about was your, your upcoming course. Uh, we're getting, uh, getting ready to publish for you, uh, Linux Hardening. And in it, you, you know, you provide some theory on why we harden and things like that, but you also provide a lot of practical um, information about how to do that, how to harden the services and the system and, and um, you know, user administration and all that, and, you know, provide some demos and some labs. And I wonder if you, um, you know, bring some of your personal experience into that where you're thinking this is, you know, sort of the kind of thing that I wish I had had when I was learning this type of stuff. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we didn't have as many mentors as we can have today. And I think that's a great thing. I think it's an important thing for everybody, even even a guy with 30 years experience. I still have my mentors uh, that I I can bounce ideas off of and and talk through problems with. Uh, and, And I try to bring my experiences to my lessons because I really believe in a in a in an old saying. Is this the wise man learns from his own mistakes? The wiser man learns from the mistakes of others. So if other people can learn from my experience as as a 30-year IT professional and cyber professional, that you know, that may help them avoid something that I literally bump my head on, if you want to, you know, use a euphemistic term, and learn the hard way. If they can learn it a little bit easier, that's all the better. Yeah. And you are so great about, um, you know, putting real scenarios into your courses, you know, coming up with, um, you know, putting the person right in the scenario, whether they're about to do a lab or just even in some of the questions, your challenge questions in your courses. And I love that about your courses because, 
a lot of this stuff that we, you know, have, we teach at Cyberry is, you know, really theory and it's just a lot of information sometimes and giving uh, learners the ability to sort of tie that to a real situation, I think is really helpful. And they can think about how can they apply it maybe in their current job or in, you know, where they want to go to in cybersecurity. So I think that's really, really awesome. Um, you were talking a minute ago about, you know, when you got started in cybersecurity and stuff like that. And I know that you happen to work for the World Wrestling Foundation. And I wanted to know if you'd talk a little bit about that. And I don't know what you did for them. I don't know if you can talk about that or if that was anything related to IT and cybersecurity. Um, but it just sounded like a really interesting time for you. Yeah. Um, contrary to a family legend, and if I can nix it here, I'd let's do it. <laughs> I was not a masked wrestler. <laughs> I did not get thrown around the ring by The Rock or anybody else. Uh, I did get to meet a lot of the wrestlers, which was really cool. But I was an IT professional for them. I, I was really, that was when I did a lot of the help desk and some of the junior admin work that I did. So it was pretty early in my career. Um, but I was always there, uh, help desk support. For, for these wrestlers while they were on the road, 320 days a year, uh, which uh, credit to them, I, 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 I'm away from my family for a couple of months and, and uh, when, when I'm doing jobs for the government. And that's really hard. I cannot imagine being away for a whole year going from place to place to place. But uh, my work there was, was a lot of phone support because, as I said, they were calling me from the road. Um, but I did get to meet a lot of wrestlers. I got to meet the McMahons, which was uh, really a lot of fun. Uh, I almost got uh, one of one of my interesting stories as far as meeting wrestlers. Um, I was in the executive area, which is where like the CEO and, and, and et cetera, <coughs> excuse me, uh, will work. Uh, and they'll they'll deal a lot with the wrestlers, the, the wrestling talent, at least when I was there was separate from the regular workers, uh, just because very different aspects of the company. But I was up there trying to actually help uh, Vince McMahon's secretary with a technical problem. And as I'm walking down the hall, I'm looking at this manual, and all of a sudden, it was like the lights went out. And I'm like, I, I, my first reaction was, did we lose power? And I look up, and there's the undertaker walking towards me, also not looking where he was going. And that would have been painful for me. So I was able to easily sidestep him and continue what I was doing without getting run over. But uh, it was definitely a great experience. I actually also got to meet, um, I got to meet a lot of the other wrestlers as well. In, in my role, I actually did get to interface more with them. Uh, but it, it was a lot, of, it was uh, about 15 months working there that uh, I wouldn't trade for anything, especially since uh, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law who were nine and five at the time thought I was a rock star mm -hmm. because I brought them home t-shirts, autographs, pictures, all those kinds of things, got to take them to some of the wrestling events in New York. So, so to them, I was a rock star. So that, that was a lot of fun because I, I loved the two of them. I we're still very close. I don't think because of just because of that, <laughs> but you know, I have a special relationship and that's something we, we throw up every once in a while and just get to get mentioned while we're chatting about, you know, re reminiscing and be like, I remember when you were at the WWF and blah, blah, blah. So it was, it, it was uh, an experience I wouldn't trade for anything. Yeah, I imagine why, well, you know, I can, I can see how, you know, even wrestlers need IT support sometimes. So, um, 
I can see how that would be important. And do you have sort of an elevator speech, speech, sorry, that you give to people when you try to explain what you do since, you know, not everybody really understands cybersecurity and that type of thing? Well, um, I usually, okay, let me see. Don't time me on this um, because I like to talk if you can tell. Yeah, I can tell. Um, (laughs) I know you like to talk. No, but my my 30-second pitch is, is really about um, creating a secure environment where they can work, where they can have the the confidence that the adversaries that we read so much about are being at least kept at bay. Um, I know one of the tough things that I always try to mentor uh, junior cyber professionals and junior IT people in is, to some degree, it's a thankless job. Um, the reality of it is, is when everything is working the way it should be, everyone thinks we have an easy job. When all the plates that we're spinning start falling down, i.e. server outages, cyber attacks, what, what, what have you, they think we're the biggest bum in the world because why are these things happening to us? Thankfully, more often than not, people think I have a really easy job. I think with the news cycles that we have today where there's constantly reports, whether it's solar winds or some other hack, people do appreciate the job we as cyber professionals do more because they know they're not at risk. I can tell them with confidence, our network is safe. We do need you to be mindful of, you know, these kind of warning signs. And I think what helps too, and I, what I always suggest to people is we're not, while we have our expertise, we're not smarter than the people we work with. Deal with them on that level. Uh, the, the, the disaster I see more often than not is people in my profession who kind of talk down to the user. And that's, there's no place for that. Mm-hmm. There really isn't. Um, showing the respect both ways, they have confidence in you and they know that you're, you're being respectful to them as a professional. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's great. I, um, I, I wanted to ask you about that because, um, you know, I, whenever we kind of work on your courses together, you kind of have a formal way of teaching and you're, you know, I always think of you as Professor Holzer, you know, because of your PhD and everything. But then when we have our um, weekly calls with all of our subject matter experts and the other instructors and stuff like that, you always really come out of your shell and I can tell that you enjoy um, talking with other people in your field, you know, and um, you guys have a really good rapport and I know you've talked before about wanting to work more with the, you know, the defensive guys, the offensive guys on our team. And, you know, also Nick Marentic, who we just did a podcast with um, recently. Um, and I just wonder, you know, if you, you know, it seems like you guys have a real good camaraderie. And I wondered if you might talk a little bit about what that's like and, you know, what you look forward to working with those guys and stuff like that. Well, it's, I'll be honest. This field is so broad, and, and Jen, you know it from working with all the all the different SMEs, the, you know, subject matter experts we have here, that no one can be an expert on just on everything. We can all try to be, and I've dabbled in a lot of different things throughout my career, like you mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I trust these people for their experience, and the thing that I love uh, doing, especially with with our defensive and offensive uh, experts is saying, well, you're talking about that offensively. This is what I would do defensively or what I would think from a net ops perspective, I need to be concerned about. 
What are you doing on defense to protect me? And it becomes that kind of round robin uh, playing devil's advocate against each other that really creates a lot of synergy. And I enjoy that because someone's going to mention something that somebody else or like for myself, I didn't think of, oh, wait a minute, I've got to add that to my course. I've got to talk about that because if I didn't think about it, my students aren't thinking about it or the, the learners are not thinking about that. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's important to me to um, try to give them a holistic approach to, to the learning. Because if you, get so, if you get so focused and you get tunnel vision almost uh, with regards to what you need to do, you're not going to be as effective at your job. Wargaming, for lack of a better term, is really important in what we do because it keeps the mind open and it keeps you uh, flexible to adjust and adapt to whatever challenges are going to come because the, the adversary is going to come up with something that you didn't expect. Right. But if, if you're talking about it with your peers, you might actually be able to be proactive instead of reactive. Right. Yeah. Like you guys are always talking about that and how, um, you know, if you're not thinking like the adversary, then you're not going to be a really good defender and, you know, zero day um, attacks happen because people aren't thinking about how, you know, how they could happen. Um, So I can see how it really helps to sort of play off of each other and kind of see things from each other's point of view and stuff like that. So um, it's really great to listen to you guys talk every week. Um, So I'm really glad that I get, get to kind of be a fly on the wall there. Well, thanks. (laughs) Yeah. So you've taught other courses for us, Foundations of Virtualization, um, uh, the MS-900, Microsoft 365 um, Fundamentals course. And I know you've done like a physical security course for end users and that type of thing. Um, And, you know, you've you've obviously got a few different types of um, uh, certifications. And I wanted to ask you about the one you got most recently your C-Risk certification, because I know you had a little bit of fun taking that test online. And I thought it might be interesting for listeners to hear what that experience was like, a little bit of a heart attack for you there. And uh, what, you know, what you went through and maybe learned some lessons, like you said, learn your lessons so they can be wise if they go into a, into an online certification test. Yeah. um, Taking a certification exam in a, in a, um, in a physical location is stressful enough. Uh, And because they control the environment, it's, it's understandable things they do. You have to lock away your phone. You, you can't have anything on you, uh, papers or otherwise. I mean, heck I even take off, I take my wallet out. I throw it in the locker. I make sure that there's nothing on me that they can say in some way I might've cheated. Uh, and because I have enough confidence in myself that I'm going to do well in the exam. Uh, when you take it virtually, thanks to uh, the pandemic and what it has forced us to do, uh, I will say that, that it's gone to the next level to uh, make sure that we aren't doing anything as test takers where we might cheat. So um, it, it started off right from the beginning, you know, hold up where they check your ID in a, in a um, testing center, it's hold your up your ID to the camera. No, we can't read it. Do it again. Do it again. Okay, we got it clear. Now we need a picture of your face so we know that you are actually the one taking the test. Okay. Now we need to know you're not cheating. Okay. Uh, take the camera on your, on your computer, and thankfully I was using a laptop, 
and do a 360 view of the room. We want to see floor to ceiling. We want to see every nook and cranny. Uh, that TV, can you cover it? It's not on. Uh, we don't care. Cover it. Uh, okay. Cover the TV. Uh, show us where, the, uh, show us, a, take a picture of the desk. Well, I'm not sitting at a desk. I'm sitting on my couch because I don't have a desk in this apartment. What do you mean you don't have a desk? I don't. Can we just move on? Okay. Uh, show us where the computer is sitting. So I tilt the camera over and show them my legs. Well, it's a laptop. I, what do you expect? Um, and and this, this all goes on. Show us, uh, make sure, uh, lift up your sleeves, although I was wearing a short sleeve shirt, so that was pretty good. Show us your arms front and back. Uh, okay. And I, I knew why they did that. I'll take a step out here, um, sidestep for a second. A friend of mine had taken a, uh, a, t- a test the same way. He had gone through that, and they wanted close-up pictures of his tattoos to make sure there was no nothing in writing hidden inside the tattoos. That's how careful they have to be. And I, I get it. I understand it. Um, the, the heart attack actually came at the end of the exam. I know you know this. Um, I'd gotten through the 150 questions, which took me about a little under two hours, and they give you four hours for the exam. And as I'm getting ready to go back and review a few of the questions that I just wanted to double check, I lose my internet connection. Now, of course, that internet connection is is critical because, well, one, it's the only way you can answer the questions, but also if you're disconnected for a while, they're going to wonder about it. Yeah. So I I got it resolved in, in less than five minutes. But then the message comes up and says, we're ready to start your exam. Oh, no. <laughs> and, and I just had, I, I must have had a deer in headlights look. And, and they were like, go through the whole process again. I said, that's okay. I understand this. But if they're going to make me start from question one, I'm going to reschedule this because I was, I was already mentally exhausted. And uh, thankfully, they actually linked me right back up to where exactly where I was. Uh, so there wasn't a problem. I checked those few questions. And I basically said to myself, if... I go back and start changing answers. And this is actually an important tip to anybody taking any test, no matter what the environment. Be careful, because as much as you can feel you're changing right, uh, wrong answers to right answers, you could very easily be changing right ones to wrong ones. Be confident in what you put down the first time. Trust yourself. Uh, so I, I took that advice, uh, my own advice. I hit submit. I went through a couple of surveys. I'm like, please just tell me how I did, but you have to answer these surveys. <laughs> and I hit the final, I hit, I hit submit on the last survey and they said, are you really sure you want to exit? And I was like, well, I can't go back now. Submit, <laughs> you passed. And it was just elation. But, yeah. but it, is, it is a very challenging experience. Um, I, tell, I would tell anybody who's preparing to take their first certification remotely, just be prepared. Don't fight them on it. This is this is the process. Um, and it's, you know, and, and ultimately, don't let it frazzle you because it's going to throw you off your game and you're going to miss some easy questions because you tried to rush. This doesn't, any of that checking doesn't count against your time. So just enjoy, you know, get through that, deal with it, take a breather, and then read each care, question carefully. That's regardless of where you take it. The thing is, and I say this in my MS-900 course, I'd say this in any certification course, there are trap words in there that if you read the question too fast, you're going to miss them and you're going to answer, the, answer it the wrong way because the quote-unquote right answer 
for misreading the question will be there to trip you up. So take your time. If you have to reread the question, I don't know how many times I reread the question before I tried to answer it because there's two good answers in, in most questions and you really have to think what is the tester really ask? What does the test question really asking? Mm-hmm. And um, I've had, I've had good success. As you said, uh, I've got my CISSP. I've got my C-RISC. I actually still have my CEH, my N, uh, network defense uh, architect and my uh, network, uh, excuse me, my security plus. So uh, I keep those all going. I do enough CPEs for every one of them that I basically cover all of them every year. Uh, the maintenance fees do get a little bit expensive, but um, I will tell, because I, I heard this in a course, guys like, why don't you skip the, the maintenance fees and just retake the test? Mm-hmm. And I sat there and I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. You pay the maintenance fees, which are usually about half the price of the exam. Yeah, those tests Every three years. Yeah. Yeah, but they mean a lot, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, walking in, yes, walking in with the PhD is, especially from a well-respected school um, like the one that I, I went to, um, is a big plus. But those 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 certifications are usually your gatekeepers. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying that, that the, the, the companies don't care about it. They do, because uh, it represents the fact that you have that knowledge. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also want to see the experience to go with it which is why a lot of these certifications now, you have to have a resume to show that you have so much experience in the field or else they make you like an associate in that certification until you have the education, I mean, the uh, work experience to go along with it. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's important. Both are important to the companies now. I've seen it shift back and forth. It used to be um, no one cared about certifications when I started in IT because no one really offered them. Uh, then Microsoft came out with theirs. And, and if you had a Microsoft certification, it was, you walk on water, you're, you're the person we want. Didn't matter that you didn't have the experience to go along with it. And it's shifted back and forth. And I think now is really the middle ground where the certification, um, organizations see it this way, as well as businesses is that you have to have the experience with the certification because you can be book smart, but you have to have the applicate the ability to apply the book smarts Mm -hmm. and 30 years does that 10 years does that five years does that. It's not just, you know, me, but it'll help. I say to anybody, yes, go out and get your certifications. You don't have to get every single one. Um, Pick a few that you really feel um, are are paramount to the type of work you want to do and, and go from there. You know, if you find your job is changing or you find you want to go into a new field, look at that sort of look at another certification. Um, there are your there are your your gold standards like CISP and CISM and C-RISC and all that. Definitely look at those. Um, but but you do need to pick and choose. You can't you can't be everything to everybody. I've gone through some dynamic shifts in my career, started out in break fix. I moved into web development. When somebody said, "Hey, you're the IT guy. You must be good. You should be good at web development. You can run the company website." Okay, I guess I'm learning web development. Uh-huh. Um, but even there, like I said, security was important to me. And now, uh, being a systems engineer uh, working for the government, uh, I, I 
see firsthand how important security jobs are. They're never going to go away. Uh, maybe, I mean, for, for me and in, in where I work, a government uh, network is just such an attractive target mm -hmm. for the adversary that there's always going to be the work there. And they're always going to try to find ways to, to, you know, get past whatever defenses I put up. And it, in a way, it's sometimes it's, it's, I'm not saying it's a no-win fight, but it's definitely it will test your patience and test your creativity. Uh, and if you like being creative, if you if if problem solving is something you love, the cybersecurity field is definitely someone something for you uh, because there's always challenges to overcome. Uh, don't think because you don't know the ones and zeros right now you can learn that. I mean, my my bachelor's degree and my first master's are actually which which you didn't mention, which is okay, are in a totally different field because they're, they are actually in government politics. Okay. Um, so I've actually been able to leverage that just as when I was in the corporate world, I, I leveraged my MBA to understand business processes, which are so important to things like your C-risk and being a risk um, professional or cyber professional because we can come up with the greatest solution in the world. But if it, if it somehow detracts from the business doing business things, mm -hmm. That's not helpful. It, it, that solution will not be implemented because ultimately the business still has to be able to function. You can't stop the business from working. You have to work with it. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned your MBA because I, I forgot to mention that. And that is really, I mean, I think that also adds to your courses because you do a really great job of kind of presenting, you know, what is what is the CEO or the president, you know, what is the top of the top um, executives thinking? And when they come to you as, you know, in your role, um, what you have to convince them of. And, you know, I know with MS 900, you know, you talked a lot about people who might be against moving into the cloud and how you might come up against that kind of um, those brick walls and that type of thing. Um, so I, I, I imagine that your MBA has informed a lot of that and also sort of a lot of the risk management and compliance type stuff, governance type stuff that you've um, specialized in. Uh, absolutely. And, and I'll say too, and I, I hear a discussion um, besides cyber and all that, there, there's this discussion and there seems to be this frame of, of mind with some cyber professionals that things like cyber and the certifications are enough. Advanced degrees are not as important. And it's not because I have, you know, a PhD in, in cybersecurity or, or, or a master's in networking, but it's, I say it looking at it realistically, you're going to have to go into a room and convince a board of directors or even just the CEO that th th what you're telling them is very important. And if you start talking in ones and zeros, they're just going to shut you down. They're going to shut it. They're not going to listen to you. You have to be able to be able to, one, put the argument in their terms. What's the business case? That's where the MBA comes in. Mm -hmm. And you have to make an argument, not because they're against you, but you're asking them to spend money. You're, you're asking them to make changes uh, or make some adjustments that might take away certain capabilities that they think they need. But you have to, you have to be able to explain to them and not argumentatively, but you have to construct a, a business case to them that says, I'm taking away certain abilities or I'm restricting certain abilities, but in the long run, it's going to give you more security, which means someone's not going to steal your client database. 
Someone's not going to steal your uh, customers' uh, credit card numbers or PII or something like that, which is now a breach that you have to report to the whole world almost and report to your clients and lose their confidence and possibly lose their business. Mm -hmm. So it's really important to be able to research, to understand, and then to be able to explain it to those who are not the subject, don't have the knowledge that you do in your area in a way that they clearly can understand and uh, just appreciate. I had a, uh, this was, this was um, a very painful memory in a way. Um, I was doing web development uh, in, in the first company, one of the first companies I did web development in, and they were a human resource consulting firm. And they did a lot of work with surveys and collecting information. Now, as a point of reference, this is late 90s. So the web is not as, is still new, new ground. Mm -hmm. And some of the account people and the VPs came to me and said, we need to build something on the web to do these surveys to be more efficient. Our clients are asking for it. It's important to us. You need to help us find a solution. And I built one. And it wasn't, it wasn't the, the slickest thing in the world. I mean, the technologies today would have made it so much easier, but it, it, was, it was functional. It did what they wanted, gave them real-time updates to the survey questions instead of doing them annually or, or semi-annually. Um, and it was going to save the company hundreds of thousands of dollars in man hours and production hours to produce these um, uh, manuals or reports that they would give out to the clients. Wow. So my boss was so pleased with the work I had done, knew it was still in its, its early stages and could be improved, but still was farther than we had ever gotten before. And he's like, I want you to present it to the board at our end of year uh, company meeting. So I did that. I walked into the room. I presented all of it. I got uh, a small round of applause from from the from a couple of the board members and the VPs, which was very satisfying. And then the CEO of the company said to me, "He's like, the internet's a fad." Oh no! <laughs> now, in in fairness to the gentleman, he he was he was in his senior years, mm. older than I am now, um, and he was like, "The internet's a fad." And anything I want to do, any work I want to do with my client, I can do with this pad of paper and this pencil. Wow. And I, I had to uh, bite my tongue a bit because, you know, it, I was a lot, I, was, I wasn't even 30 yet at the time. So, um, and yeah, you can start doing the math. <laughs> but um, one of the VPs turned to him and said, this is what our customers is asking for. This is what our customers are asking for. He's like, this is what they want. And he kind of begrudgingly agreed. He's like, I don't want to waste any more money than we have to. And you just saw the VPs and, and other board members kind of shaking their heads going, he, he doesn't get it. And, and you will run up against that. You'll run up against the resistance. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I got some reassuring, um, reassuring pats on the back after the meeting, which, which made me feel a lot better, obviously, because yeah. they understood that I got it. And it, it made me feel better that they got it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but, but be prepared. You're going to find your resistance. It might not be, I don't think you'll ever find that again, mm -hmm. but you, but new cyber professionals have to be prepared for it. There are going to people be people who challenge you as to why we need to spend this money, why we need to do this this way. And you just need to be ready 
to stand up for yourself and give them a clear and concise argument. You can't dazzle them with with the binary of what we do. You have to be able to talk to them in the terms that they that mean the most to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and you're you're touching on a really important point that I think some of our previous guests have talked about where, you know, those soft skills of communicating with people are really important, you know, and um, you can't just be technical completely and not be able to communicate what you're doing to leadership or even to your users. You have to be able to to have those communication skills. And like you said, talk in those terms that, you know, the the bottom line, the, the, you know, the numbers of how much you're spending and what it's worth and what the return on investment is. So that's a really good, uh, really good advice there. Yeah, I've, I've actually, I've had some, I've had some practice with that one because um, my oldest daughter, again, I'm dating, I'm showing my age, um, <laughs> but uh, has, has wanted to get into not so much the cybersecurity field, but she's like, I want to get into IT. I want to work with the computers. Uh, you know, I want to work with the servers and, and understand that. And I, I keep telling her, I'm like, you have to understand there's still a social skill you have to have and develop, even if it's just as a help desk person or even communicating from you as the technical expert to the help desk people so they can explain it to the users. Mm-hmm. It's important. And she's, she, she's like, maybe I'll look for another career. <laughs> I'm like, but if it's your passion, and I can honestly say for me, uh, working in IT and computers was, was always a, a hobby of mine as a kid. I took in when I was in high school, I was taking continuing education classes at the college level uh, to learn about computers and and technology. Um, It's important that you do that. It's important to get those skills. It has been my passion. If not like you can't, I don't think, I think everyone (laughs) can tell from, from the way I talk about it, Mm -hmm. but you have to, you still, it can't just be a singular focus. Like I said before, you can't have tunnel vision about what you do. You have to have a broad aperture and look at how this affects other people and what they do, how that affects what you do. Yeah, that's really good advice. I, uh, I wanted to give you a sort of a, a fun question. Um, cause I really want to, I really hope that, you know, some of the listeners can kind of get a um, an idea about your personality and that type of thing. And I know that you're, um, you enjoy, you know, sort of the Avengers and, um, different superhero movies and that type of thing, and also gaming and that type of thing. So I wanted to ask you if you could come up with a cybersecurity superhero, what would their superpowers be? Uh, what would they be? Um, well, although I'm a Marvel guy, as you, as you alluded to, uh, <laughs> I do know DC kind of well as well. And I'd say they have, one of the things they'd have to have is that ability uh, of cyborg to interface with all kinds of technology. That would be a must because then you're talking about um, a person who could, could probably analyze a, pro- a problem and come up with a solution a lot faster than even the experts like me can uh, just because he has that kind of connection with them. But th- that person would also need to have some, uh, some good social skills and, and have the trust of people. So I'm going to take my favorite superhero and probably say Captain America, not because of the, you know, of the stars and stripes aspect, although um, I, 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 I respect that a lot. It's, he's a good person who, who is, is very inclusive and understanding and, 
And I think that that ability to communicate to and, and stand up for your convictions uh, is important, again, when you face people who, who are very resistant to what right looks like. Um, and you have to impress upon them that it is the right thing, whether or not they feel 100% comfortable about it. That's awesome. Maybe Marvel will take this idea you have and incorporate something. <laughs> I think uh, that's okay, really good hold one. on. Let me let me go let me go trademark <laughs> that now. But there's no. I'm just kidding. That's awesome. Well, listen, Corey, this has been great talking with you. Is there anything else you want to talk about? You know, highlight about your course that's coming out, or anything that you're you're thinking of working on? Um, just want to give you the last word here before we wrap up the podcast. Okay. Um, about the course, I think I think what people need to expect going into it is I'm going to start at a very basic level of theory, uh, like you you were alluding to, and that's important. Always look for the theory and the understanding of the why. And if you don't get the answer to that question, keep asking it. Find new ways to ask it because you need to understand the why of what we do to truly appreciate the what of how we have to execute it. Um, I look forward to making um, more, having the opportunity to develop more courses with Cyberry. Uh, I'll tell the students stick with some of these longer courses. You've got some great, intelligent people who have put them together, who put in a lot of effort like I have. I can't count the many, how many hours I put into the MS-900 or the, the Linux hardening course, uh, but it was a very rewarding feeling for me. Uh, and I would also say to, to each of the students who take any of my courses, or even if from, from these the, my answers that I've given here in the podcast, if you want to reach out to me, uh, check out my courses. Uh, you can reach me at uh, cholzer at cyberry.it. Ask me, ask me anything. Uh, I might not be able to give you certain answers, but uh, I will give you my best opinion and uh, try to help you along the way. We all need mentors in this world uh, about life, mentoring with life, whether it's our parents or someone else that's important to us like parents. Uh, and we need, we need mentors in the cyber world. It's just moving way too fast. We need that net, that network of people, which in a way is almost more important than the networks that we manage. So, uh, and you've got great people to get to mentor you here beyond myself. So, uh, enjoy the, enjoy the ride. It, it, this career is not going to bore you. And I'll end it there. Those are great words of advice. Thank you so much, Corey. I'm so glad we could do this and um, look forward to everything you're going to do for us here at Cybrary. And I know the, um, the people out there that'll take your courses are really going to get a lot out of them. So thank you so much. Well, thank you for giving me the opportunity, Jen. I really appreciate it. Uh, love to, to share my stories if you can't tell. I can tell. <laughs> so that is it for today's Cyberary podcast. Thank you for listening. Um, you can find us on, wherever you listen to your podcasts and um, find us on YouTube, Spotify, um, and we hope you'll join us back here next time. Cyberary, the premier cybersecurity skill development platform, is empowering individuals and teams to secure the future of technology. See why 3 million people have already signed up when you visit www.cybrary.it